Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. We are proud to have Automotive Seminars as a sponsor for this show. Hey, you've heard me talking about this. You've heard the ads that I've had on here for Automotive Seminars. I want to let everybody know that they are about to get going with their training schedule for 2024. They've got seven classes this year, and one of them is going to be starting this week on the 6th, and that is going to be taught by Keith Perkins. It's a diagnosing keys and immobilizer systems. And they've got courses throughout the year, total of seven of them. And right now, if you get in on it before February 6th, you can get a discount and basically get a free class if you sign up for the package. So I wanted to let everybody know to check this out. Um, again, Keith Perkins, John Thornton, Scott Manna, classes like Picoscope 7, Lin Bus Diagnostics, Misfire Diagnostics, Variable Cam Timing, really, really good stuff to help us out in the field. And I can't say enough good things about it. So get on there, check it out, get the discount and get some awesome training from these guys. Hey, what's going on automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipp. And I'm going to be your host once again for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show. I have got Matt Fonslow back and Scott Shotton. You know, those guys, they are on the podcast quite frequently. Today, we are going to be talking about vision in Kansas City coming up in March, or it starts on the 29th of February, 2024. Uh, I've talked about it a lot on the show in previous years. It's one of the biggest training events of the year. Uh, Tons of people in the automotive industry are going to be there attending, learning, teaching. Uh, The classes are awesome. The networking is great. And the food's pretty good too down there. So um, if you haven't signed up for Vision and you're thinking about doing it, check the link in the show notes so you can find more info there. Get registered. Come hang out. If you are going to be there, make sure to uh, shoot me a message or come find me. I'll be there with the ST Mobile team, bringing them for the first time this year. Uh, it should be a great time. But anyways, that's what we're going to be talking about today along with a few other things. And before we jump into the episode, I do want to announce the winner of a free t-shirt for January 2024. Again, if you want to win a free automotive diagnostic podcast t-shirt, all you got to do is leave a review on the podcast for Apple Podcasts or leave a comment on uh, one of our episodes on our YouTube channel, and we do have a YouTube channel under the same name. Uh, that's all you got to do to answer to win. And then each month we will randomly pick a winner. We'll announce it on the podcast. And if you hear your name on the podcast as a winner, get a hold of me. My email is in the show notes. You can message me on Facebook. Give me your address, t-shirt size, and we will get one sent out to you. But the winner for last month's t-shirt is Steve. Sourland. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Steve Sourland. If that's you, 
uh, reach out to me and we'll get that t-shirt to you. But with that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. 102 mile an hour snapshot, uh, uh, snapshot won the fastest shot. Who was that? Uh, hey, Brian, who was the fastest shot? He can't hear me. Cade McCarr from Colorado. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good at hockey. First. I think he's in first right now for, okay. the, for, the, for the skills competition anyway. Yeah, that was always the one. I would watch the skills competition, but I would never watch the actual all-star game. It was never very exciting. Yeah, they changed the skills competition this year. They're playing for a million bucks. Oh, geez. So they're, they're going to a charity or – I would assume. I am assuming they would donate it to a charity, but they didn't really say that. <laughs> okay. Like those guys really need an extra million. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure they they probably think they do, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fastest skater, and then the accuracy one, the hardest shot. That's always been fun. The fastest skater was McDavid. Okay. Not surprising. Yeah. By. It was actually pretty close, but he was still the fastest. Cool. What's going on, guys? How you doing? How's your week? Not too bad. Get, getting over, uh, getting over shingles, which is very exhausting, Ooh. by the way. Uh, but had work. Just had to work half days when I got exhausted and stuff like that. But other than that, it's been pretty good. And getting ready for vision. Yeah, my uncle just went through that too. Shingles. Um, it's uh. It's the chicken pox virus, if I understand it right. Like it's dormant in your body and then it resurfaces at some point later in life. Yeah, they don't know what causes it. It could happen for anything. So just one day I started having this rash on my side and I never had fever or headache, some of the other symptoms. But after after it started going away, then the, the fatigue started setting in. So hopefully I get over some that. Some people get soon. their butts kicked bad. Oh, there's nerve pain from time to time where I'll move a certain way and it feels like all of a sudden there's needles shooting through my side. It's like, That's just from being a mechanic for 30 years. <laughs> that could be too. That could be too. It's a combination. My mom never caught chicken pox and um, she had to stay away from me and my brother when we were little because you get it as an adult and mm-hmm. it'll kill you. And it's, it's absolutely wild because you get as a kid, whatever you got, you know, you're itchy for a while and that's it. But as a 50 year old adult, you're dead or, or I mean, it could put you in the hospital. That's crazy. Yep. I had a couple shops that wanted me to come out and I'm like, uh, have, have all your techs either had chicken pox or chicken pox vaccine. I mean, it's, it's contagious at a certain point. It's not contagious all the time when it's blisters, it's contagious. Uh, but it's underneath multiple layers of shirts, and we, we're in the cold, so you're wearing two shirts and a jacket anyway. But still, I did check with a couple shops I went to when it was bad, and like, uh, yeah, you sure? You're, if you're sure, I'll, I'll come out, but stay away from me. <laughs> yes, I'll program your Nissan, and then I'll get out of your way. So it is what it is. Thank God it didn't happen when I'm at Vision. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's coming up in a month. What is uh, what, what day is the first day? Uh, it's the very end of February. Okay. It's the Thursday, the last Thursday of February, which 29th. is the 29th. Leap year. 29th through the 3rd. Yep. I'll be getting down there on the 28th. You guys? Uh, yes. Uh, driving down Wednesday night. Gotcha. Um, 
I um, bring in my two employees, uh, technician and uh, administrator, service advisor to come with and uh, pretty excited about that because they've never gone to anything quite like that. So it'll be their first time. So I'm excited for them and they're excited. So it'll be cool. The whole team. Yeah. Yeah. Figured why not. I've thought about going. You're going to throw a man in the trunk? (laughs) I'm just going to wait till the last minute to decide. (laughs) Okay, Tommy. Tommy does the thing every year. I'm not going this year. I'm not going this year. I'm not going this year. And then he's there. (laughs) I'm supposed to teach with Matt on Friday. So I guess I'll find out if Matt's there Friday morning, right? (laughs) Matt's not here. Oh, shit. Andrew will be interested if I'm there Thursday (laughs) afternoon or morning. Thursday morning. Yeah, what do you have, Matt? You got you got is that when you're doing the keys? Is that Thursday well, morning? Andrew's doing it. I'm just there as moral support. Gotcha. Just to heckle the crowd. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Turn the tables. <laughs> Everybody thinks the peanut gallery is in the attendees. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm noticing, man, is your microphone attached to your chair so you can rock like that and it still stays right in your face? Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think I'm going to submit a request. Are you teaching anything, Sean? Uh, no, just the uh, just the panel that we're doing for the scan tool gotcha. uh, class. Otherwise, I am taking classes and try to try to learn how to do this fixed car thing that I have been struggling with lately. So <laughs> I need some education. <laughs> I need to learn Ohm's law. Yeah, something. Yeah, get beat up. <laughs> Nobody understands it, anyways. It's not important. Well, you need some power probe. Yeah, because then it's gonna. You're either gonna find a problem or make a problem. <laughs> either way, it's PC- broken. <laughs> needs a PCM. Are you sure? I am now. <laughs> See, when they call yeah, you, needed say, it we, anyways. We think this needs a PCM. Can you come out and confirm it? You just go up your power phone and go, yep, it's a PCM. You were right. It certainly needs one. Call me the Why does the car stink now? I don't know. Maybe they're putting lithium ion batteries in the PCMs now. I don't know. Oh, I did a, a, a on a different note, I did a, a um, Ultima Hybrid, 2010 Ultima Hybrid PCM program today. And, uh, when it tells you to do like the idle learn, it says, okay, mm-hmm. turn, start the car and let it idle. And it's a hybrid. It didn't start. It powered up. It goes into ready mode, but it, it wouldn't run and do the idle learn. Like, so was, idle learn is really low. When it did fire up, it idled fine. So I'm like, oh, we're good. I'll do the rest of it. But yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay idling. It was shut off. I'm like, how is it going to learn the idle if it doesn't? And there was no option on the, on the C3 plus to say, you know, tell it stay idling or anything like that it was just did its own thing we had a 21 rogue the other day brand new ecm and we hadn't done one that new on a nissan yet um and so we're reading service info to figure out all the steps and the immobilizer portion is almost non-existent like you you do a vin registration through the tool and then all you have to do is cycle the keys through the ignition and like that's that's it for a mobilizer. That's it. And when we were done, yeah, it that very true. But when we were done, it was a start stall. Like it start up stall, start up stall. And uh because you know we hadn't done one of those, we we're like, 
what did we screw up? You know, what, what are we missing in the process for this immobilizer system? Because that's what I assumed it was. Well, after dinking around for a while, there's no codes, there's no key light and, and you know, all this stuff. We can't find anything. Then we talked to the shop. Well, why did you replace the CCM? Okay, well, it was a start stall and it was a mass airflow sensor. Somebody had at some point put the filter in backwards because it, it fits. You can bolt it all up with the filter backwards. And so there was like feathers and dirt and stuff and it had smoked the the mass airflow. So you unplug it and it started up and everything. So, but anyways, that was a fun uh, you know, 45 minutes of dinking around thinking we missed or missing something with this immobilizer. It's a 21. There must be more to this process. Nope. Just cycle the keys. You're done. So <laughs> then we did the, uh, the volume air relearn, which that's what made me think of that. So. So what other classes are you teaching at Vision, uh, Matt? I know you got I know you got the, I, I the scope Andrew. stuff with me. You got the key stuff with Andrew. Anything else? I, oh, Tech Talks. I, just, I, I, I ride coattails. That's what I do. So you're riding the coattails for Tech Talks then too, right? Yes, yes. Who's doing Tech Talks? Who, who do we got? I forgot. <laughs> you didn't come prepared for this, did you? <laughs> What what's prepared? <laughs> yeah, the tech talks has always been kind of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so I got quite the crew. I think. Yeah, that's always been that's always so been a fun event. So I don't forget anybody. I'll just um, mispronounce all their names. So I got Joe Zegarlinski, Daniel Adams, Chad Austin, uh, Azale or Oz Mechanics. Okay. Uh, or Oz from Oz Mechanics uh, on YouTube. And then I have, yeah, Tim Jones to round it up. Okay. Nice. And they're all like so. 15, 20 minute presentations, something like that. Yeah, maybe a couple of them might bump into 30 or so. Um, but, you know, Chad's been on the podcast. Uh, he also has a YouTube channel. I don't know if it, I mean, he does record stuff from uh, work. Is that the practical mechanic? Yep. Is that his channel? Okay. Yes, sir. So he's going to be there, uh, you know, for, you know, I, th- I think for name recognition, recognition, those are the two with the name recognition, but the others, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, also, I'm really looking forward to it this year because I missed last year. So that kind of sucked. That would have been great to watch last year. But, you know, I heard yeah, for Brad, those that are listening that don't know, to, uh, explain what Tech Talks is just for the people listening. I mean, I know what it is because I've been there. Um, Honestly, the name, I, I we didn't come up with that till later and you would think it was a ripoff of Ted talks. It wasn't. <laughs> Honestly, That's what I always it thought. <laughs> I, it's hard to believe, but it really wasn't. I, you know, I was on a test drive, just bombing around and yeah, I've had conversations with people and this is, you know, long before podcast, at least mine, Sean, maybe, maybe you had started yours. Maybe. But I was just thinking, because I had talked to a few people, and they're kind of like, 
what does it take to get into training? How'd you become a trainer? And it's like, I backed into it. You know, I had this job with a distributor of Pico. So it just kind of put me in the position to start. Uh, otherwise, I don't know how I would have. I mean, I guess I got some small gigs at Leonard Technical Services, but that's neither here nor there. But they're like, ah, you know, you got to have four hours worth of material. How many slides would that be? And, you know, it's hard to answer those questions because it's like it's it depends. Mm-hmm. What What is your material? What are you going to do? You know, some people fly through slides, you know, for four hours of class. They're going to need a thousand slides. They're just bang, 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 bang and skipping. And then others might use, you know, 50 slides but maybe they reference some something online or they're kind of doing stuff live. Like, how do you, how do you, I can't answer that. Mm -hmm. And they're worried about being able to carry a class for three, four hours. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Like your first time out and all of a sudden it's like, if you score something at vision or any other, um, not venue, but we'll just say like expo uh, or conference, that's, that's a lot of pressure. So how, how do you get around that? How how could we just provide a way for somebody that's kind of interested in becoming training or getting into training and be instructing a little or presenting whatever terms we want to use to describe what whoever does? How do, how do they how do we give them a way to get in, get their foot in the door? And I called up Sherry and it's like, I got, you know, what if we just had something where we line up? three, four, five, six people, and they each get, you know, however much time, very little downtime between instructors. They get up and they can, you know, present a case study or two or maybe just some ideas. Like I have this idea how this system works or stuff I see in the bay that trips people up and this is, you know, my thoughts on it. And we've kind of had that Um spectrum if you will and so i i don't think i even really came up with the name i think sherry and company or just sherry came up with the name but the idea of it wasn't to rip off ted talks it was to try to provide techs or you know whoever that have a little bit of an interest in presenting and and maybe diversifying what they do a means to kind of get their foot in the door and get a taste of it and then also for the training companies to see new talent. Cause where's, where's the next whoever coming from? Where's the next Scott Shotton coming from? I don't know. And if they don't get a chance to get up in front of people and we don't have much of a path for that to happen, we won't get another Scott Shotton. Thank God that <laughs> <laughs> something funny had to come out of that. <laughs> Matt's best impression of Kevin Nealon. Um, that, where do they come from? And so, yeah, in the first, I think, year or so, it was hard to find just somebody that was, for lack of a better term, pure virgin. But it's getting a little bit easier now. And it's getting a little bit of a name. And by far, the most impressive thing to me is A, the. Uh, the people that agree to be presenters getting up there and doing it because that that's no that ain't nothing right that's not a little thing that's not a Big little, little thing to ask and secondly is uh, people that come to it the response is it's phenomenal I 
I just, I can't get enough of it. This, the support and they're getting something out of it. It's not like, yeah, I'll do these guys a favor and I'll watch them. Like they're getting stuff out of it too. Yeah. Some of the, I did notice if I could elaborate on that just a little bit that I've been to at least two of them, I think two of them. And, uh, there'll be a handful of well-known trainers sitting in the room. And it, it does probably make some of the people in the front of the room a little bit more nervous, but the the people that presented that I talked to after the fact and heard other trainers talking to them, it's kind of nice to to be able to give them constructive criticism. You know, so so not only do they, they get their feet wet and go, this is over. Oh my God, I made it through my 15, 20 minutes. But now you get to talk to some people that have been doing it for years afterwards and go, Hey, you know what? You did that just fine. Try this next time. Or, you know, just, I'm not saying anything specific and I'm not saying anything about any specific person that, that I gave criticism to. Um, but everyone I've heard doing it, they, they do it in such a constrict, uh, constructive manner and, and very polite and positive and hopefully would just, it's a, a potentially a breeding ground for the next generation of trainers. Who knows? And there must be a bunch of people sitting here listening, going, Matt Fonzel in the same sentence is constructive. <laughs> <That's a> moron. <laughs> You're just kind of the ringleader. I'm something. I don't know. About <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was really good experience to, to do that. That was my first time doing anything like that at a professional event. And to yours just was have, awesome uh, because yours was interactive. You brought that um, program you had from the college yeah, or, or used with the college, not brought from the college, but that it, you had used. Yeah. But other than maybe standard motor products with the little remotes they would give out. Yeah. The push button. I've thing never. From... Yeah. You kind of started a trend with that thing. Well, and, the kid, I'm not kidding you. I think you started a trend with that. The kids loved it at college. It's Kahoot and it's free and you can make the things, but like, my students, when I was teaching at the college, would literally, like, get excited when we'd have a Kahoot. I mean, they got to pull out their phones, so that was number one. But then, yeah, the, the interactive part was was fun. So I was like, well, we'll see if uh, auto techs are the same as college kids, and it turns out they are. So <laughs> I, had used, I had used one a few years back at Vision. I think it was called Poll Anywhere. Okay. I think the yeah, name of it. I think I've heard of that. So they would pull it up on their phones and then you could ask questions. And I don't like to do polling questions. I try not to. Sometimes you do, but I try not to in class. But that makes it so anonymous and you get so much more response instead of, hey, who in the room's a mobile tech? And two people raise their hands. Yeah, and you know, right. well, there's eight or ten sitting right there that you can call <laughs> off the top of your head. You know, they're just not participating. But when they got their phone out and then, and then it gives it's like a race. They're like racing on a hundred percent bar graph. You know, that yes, no, A, B, C, D, you know, however you wanted to do it. So it was kind of fun. The only thing I, I didn't do is because uh, uh, I did pay for it once because if you have over a certain number of participants, then you got to pay for it. Uh, yeah. So if you were doing a small group, it was free, kind of like what you were talking about, uh, Sean. But if you did a big group, let's say you were in a classroom in vision with 200 people, you got you to pay for it. And it's not ridiculous. But, uh, you know, it all links right in your PowerPoint and stuff like that. So it was Took some time to mess around with. I haven't done it in a couple of years. I might. I should probably get back into that again, but we'll see. Yeah, that's all. That's always something I try to focus on is engagement with whatever. You know, most of my stuff I did was college, but you know, making sure that every 
certain period of time, I mean, for me, it was like 10, 15 minutes within there. You should have something that engages your audience and asks them a question or asks them to do something. And the size of the audience is obviously going to play a role in what you can do, but try to work something in there to where it's not just you talking for 60 minutes without any sort of requirement from them. Um, now, in person makes that a lot easier. If you're doing online stuff, that makes it more oh, difficult. Um, but in person, if you can build that into, you know, your PowerPoint or whatever you're doing, it, it makes a it makes a ton of difference. At least you won't see as many people falling asleep. So I try to try to throw something in there every once in a while to keep everybody engaged. Yeah. Well, tra- training tip of the day: ask a question when you're teaching. Ask a question and then wait. Just pause and wait. Yeah, it's supposed to come let to somebody, eight. Let somebody respond and then have discussion out of it. You know, if you answer the question right away, then everyone just keeps sitting there and listens to you. They don't participate. Hopefully they're listening to you. They might be sleeping like Harvey Chan used to do. Yeah, I hate to wake people up. <laughs> well, they say, they say c- counting to eight, like almost everyone who's not aware that you're doing that is going to get so uncomfortable in the eight seconds and somebody, somebody will say something. Now I've proven that wrong with certain groups of students for sure, but it, it is pretty effective. If you just have the patience to wait everybody out, eventually somebody will say something and then you can get the ball rolling. Well, the, the, uh, the other class, the, the one that you're participating in Sean with me, is the which scan tool should I buy? And that came from a question also. So Matt said, uh, uh, you know, how can we do this for people that are wanting to uh, thinking about being in the training uh, part of the industry? Uh, same thing. Trainers get the question, which scan tool should I buy? And we taught this last year. A group of us did. And it's the same thing. It's the question that I don't want to say trainers hate to get, but they almost always get at least one or two every time they go somewhere. Like, which scan tool should I buy? And and there's not a good question. I mean, a good answer. There's no oh, one it, good it's answer. All of them, and yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yeah. But I mean, it's uh, what are you? What product lines are you? Are you only domestic? Are you domestic and Asian? Are you especially in Europeans? Do you do a crap ton of Fords, but you don't see any G? I mean, there's so many different ways to answer that so the way the class came about last year and last year we put it together i don't want to say last minute but it was pretty close and uh who did we have last year we had uh myself you sean scott manna keith perkins tanner brandt justin morgan Morgan. was there one more was that it that might be it if i'm forgetting someone i apologize uh, and we each covered a different scan tool, talked about pros and cons, and had a discussion panel about it. And if if that would be a really boring class if no one participated. But we had participation with every scan tool that we talked about. Then we got questions from sometimes shop owners. The, the class isn't really meant to be just for technicians. It's meant for who in the shop has the purchasing power. I want to buy my technicians a scan tool. Which one should I buy them? Or which ones should I buy them? Or however you want to look at it. So that that's kind of the point. And and I said this last year too. When I when I came up with the idea, I was originally going to try and teach it myself, but then I realized I don't have every scan tool. And the ones I do have, I don't use them all every day. But between our, our group of colleagues we probably own all the scan tools between the people that were listed in that panel. We probably owned all the scan tools. So, so this year it's going to be Perkins on there. You only need like 
Two other scan tools. Yeah. <laughs> One of them's like a DRB two. Yeah, and Perkins probably has two. Oh, two he or just three texted me. He's got that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this year the panel I think is going to be the same, except uh, uh, I don't think Scott Mana can make it this year, uh, but the remainder of us will still be the same. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit different this year. I think we're going to try and do a, a, a mini little case study with each tool, trying to illustrate some of the strong points or positives or pros. Uh, instead of just talking about the tool, show a little bit. Um, and then we might have a, a we might have a special guest that people in this in your listening audience might know, but I won't say his name. He he doesn't like to prepare a lot, so I don't want to I don't want to you know throw him under the bus. <laughs> It does narrow the field a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, so anyway, if that that's another class, if anyone is interested, go on. And shop owners, too. That's then One of my main points is shop owners, managers, it's not just a, a tech class. Although it's listed under the technical classes, it, it's really for anybody that might have to touch a scan tool for one reason or another. Well, how many people would you say were in that class last year? Yeah, I'm going to guess about 30 or 40. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe it might well, have been that many. Although we did have a couple reps from the uh, 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 scan tool people that were sitting in, so that might have made it look a bit a little bigger. So we'll say 30. <laughs> we only had 10. <laughs> four. Four. The rest were just four. people that came down from the train show. The rest were reps. <laughs> well, I mean – <laughs> And I have no idea what the plan is for this year, but it was like every other person in that class left with uh, a giveaway too, which was pretty awesome. I think well, I, I, I don't think anybody knew that was coming, so it was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, well, I, I, we're, we're not going to do that this year, but there's a reason why. It's because uh, um, I pitched it to Sherry again when uh, uh, the Vision submissions came out, and she said, yeah, we'll do it again. Um, so then I was getting ready to contact the panel and make sure they were all good to do it again and then start contacting the vendors and see who wanted to donate stuff for raffles like we did last year. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got an email from Sherry that said, the enrollment's low, we might cancel it. So I, then I didn't call the vendors because I was like, well, I don't want to ask them to, to donate tools for a raffle if the class isn't even going to go on. And then j just a couple weeks ago, uh, she's like, oh, the enrollment's picking up. We might have to put you in a different room. That, can we still do it? I'm like, yeah, we can still do it. But um, now we're probably too short to do raffles. So I apologize. People that made it last year, congratulations. You probably got to win something at a raffle. What do we raffle off? Like six can tools and six yeah. $600 gift certificates for stuff. AES yeah. Wave. And yeah. yeah. So if we do it again next year, we'll just have to. What, what day is the? I believe that is on. I have it written down. I think it's Thursday afternoon. Thursday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you can't. Ah, darn it. You know, if they put it later, I could have just went to the trade show and stole some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, last year we had, I don't know, four-ish donations plus the AES gift certificates before the class started. But we did it on Saturday morning. And I told Sherry, we got to do it Saturday morning or earlier because the trade show, your last chance to go to the trade show is Saturday at lunch, basically. And then it all shuts down. So we wanted them to be able to go see the vendors after seeing the class. So she did it on Saturday morning. So Friday night at the trade show, Scott Manna and I wandered around and hit up a bunch of people. And we got uh, uh, at least two, maybe three scan tools donated the night before. Well, that's because you had Mr. Mana with. That's why I drug him along. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Smart move. 
Yeah, but so now this year the trade show isn't going on. Well, it's still going on at the same time, but Thursday, there's nothing Thursday night. They're not doing that again? Oh, wait, are they doing the the high-tech tool show thing? Is that a Thursday night? I thought that was Thursday night. Okay, that might be Thursday night then. That might be Thursday night. Because, yeah, then the the normal trade show is Friday and Saturday. So, yeah, they're probably doing that Thursday night. So if you go to the scan tool class on Thursday and then you go to the uh, the high – I think they call it the high-tech tool something. Yeah, it's just kind of in the – It's a mini trade show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to call it a – hallway but it's kind of a hallway <laughs> that's what i was kind of saying is like a hallway but i'm like it's a lot bigger than a hallway but <laughs> it's, a, it's a big yeah. foyer sure yeah, there you go fancy word foyer if you've ever <laughs> been there before you know that you can really only walk one direction in there without going blind <laughs> yeah so anyway and then we got pico hands on pico on uh friday and i hope matt makes it there otherwise i'll be going solo but we'll have a couple other guests as usual helping us out. There'll be last minute people probably, but anyone attending that, there'll be a handful of people in that room to mess around with. Uh, Scott, um, when just a quick thing, I'll, I'll edit this out, but when you're tapping the table, it's coming up really loud on the mic. I'm yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix it. It just is. It's more work. So. It's more Anyways, work. I sorry. apologize. No, you're good. Let's get a little fidgety sometimes. Oh, dude, tell me about it. Well, Matt hasn't stopped rocking the whole time, so I know. But that doesn't make that doesn't make noise <laughs> on the microphone, so he's got he's got the setup there. Do you do all your podcasts from the rocking chair? Uh, I do. Nice. Uh, maybe someday I'll have a real spot. <laughs> from now on when i listen to your podcast while i'm driving from shop to shop i'm just gonna have an image of you rocking the whole time <laughs> I, you know how many i recorded nobody thought nothing of it and then i do this one with hunt demarest and he points it out and now it's like thing. <laughs> it's a roller rocker so you got kind of the back and forth and and the rocking is okay. Yeah, you don't get as seasick. And uh, uh, I just mount the boom to the arm so it kind of goes with me. And so the, perfect, yeah. the volume isn't going up and then back down again. And then back <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Auto Rescue tools.com and isaac rodell if you're looking for scan tools key cutting equipment programming laptops isaac is the guy not only does he have an extensive list of all those things i mentioned his support after the purchase is top notch i bought my dolphin key cutting tool from isaac several years back and he has helped me out every step of the way anything that i needed on this thing i didn't quite understand if i had an issue with it i needed something additional he was easy to get a hold of and helped me out with that so i highly recommend that you check out his website if you need anything related to keys scan tools diagnostic equipment and again that's autorescuetools.com the link will be in the show notes this episode is brought to you by autorescuetools.com and isaac rodell if you are looking to get into module programming 
but you are not sure what kind of laptop you're going to need or how to set it up for programming, Isaac is your guy. He can set up laptops specifically to do control module programming for specific brands with partitioned hard drives and all the software that you're going to need to do this. He also sells key cutting equipment, scan tools and other diagnostic equipment. Um, I bought some stuff from him in the past and the support is phenomenal. So I highly recommend checking out the website. Again, that's autorescuetools.com. The link will be in the show notes. I guess if we're just talking about vision in general, by the way, the, one of the biggest things for people that don't know or haven't gone, it's the networking. It's the people. It's talking to other techs, shop owners, time talking to the vendors in the trade show. I mean, the class and stuff are great. Don't get me wrong, but the networking is just just as important. So, And I don't mm-hmm. think anyone in this room is going to disagree with that. No, that's a lot of the reason I'm excited for uh, my guys to come with is because you know, they've, they've never experienced much of that, it, it, you know, as the industry as a, as a bigger thing than just what we do here. So the, the class is obviously is going to be really good. The education, um, I got my, uh, administrator guy doing some management, uh, classes and stuff like that. And a couple technical ones. And then Steve's doing a bunch of ADOS stuff. Um, that stuff's cool, but just to get to meet people and, experience the event we're looking forward to that quite a bit to someone i think it was last year and i forget i i wish i could give him credit because that was a great idea uh all our name badges should have our facebook profile picture on it oh yeah because most of the people there know people from like facebook or or online presence and just their their actual photograph be like who are you oh i recognize that picture (laughs) yeah i'm surprised that they haven't gotten that going at some one of these events because i mean that's that's a very common thing especially during covid time and when we all got back together like oh you're that guy i thought you were way taller (laughs) you're a lot fatter than i thought you were are you talking about brandon again (laughs) so you're all driving no one's flying yeah well matt i think we kind of discussed what time you got to leave by on Wednesday or what's your plan? Well, I guess a lot of it was more like the arrival time. Cause I think I have to present with Andrew Thursday morning and that's okay. really early morning. So I'd kind of want to be in relative. I mean, I don't know before. I don't know. Early enough to get some sleep. And Ten would be great, but I mean midnight. What what is it? Eight hours from here? Yeah, seven depends on who's driving. Okay, seven, gotcha. Okay, seven, eight. Okay, eight, eight would be either hitting traffic or having to do a bunch of pit stops or whatever. Sure, but I think okay. seven's pretty reasonable. Or snow gotcha. like a, snow like a couple of years ago. Yeah, usually you hit the snow on the way home. I don't think yeah. I've ever hit weather on the way down, but coming home. Yeah, I drove through the night in the ice storm the one year coming home because all the flights are canceled. Um, well, yeah, let me let me see what we can do. Maybe we'll make it work out because uh, we'll have we'll have an extra seat. You got a bunch of stuff you got to bring down. Yeah. Okay. Like that would fill more than a trunk of a Camry, maybe. 
the one. I'm going to try to borrow my brother's uh, hybrid camera. How, how many people are you taking? There'll be three of us. We can just take my pilot. Okay. It'll be a little more comfortable. Okay. And the, the, there's one simulator board mm. that I have from um, Console Lab that, you know, it's probably two feet, two and a half feet by two and a half feet. Okay. It just eats up a lot of space, but it's great. It's freaking great. We It's a Honda ignition system, but the um, immobilizer portion works. So oh, nice. So flight and transceiver and chipped key so I can have people in class cut a key. Oh, nice. And either uh, build it or, you know, if we use the, um, where you can put a chip in the head or whatever <clears throat> and then burn the chip uh, or clone it or if it's already kind of got its own ID and stuff, just program it to the uh, simulator and then it works. And if the chip doesn't, if things aren't programmed properly, you turn the key on, the theft light stays on and you don't get ignition, no spark. Okay. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool how it works out. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I finally got that mini Cooper figured out. um, Oh, that immobilizer issue. It was relatively simple. The the AK ninety to match the key to the immobilizer. And I had that portion, but the the DME and the EWS were mismatched. So the immobilizer and the engine control were mismatched. But you I, had tried to do the alignment that didn't take. Yeah, I tried it with a few different tools, and some said pass, some said fail, but none of them made it work. So I went to a junkyard and just got a pair of EWS and DME. Slapped it in, did the AK-90 thing, fires up, it's good to go. It was that simple. So we just, we had to mismatch the whole time. But, and, and we couldn't clone from the original, so I was I was pumped when we finally got it. Actually, so when I, I sent Steve to go do it, because I was just, that was the way our schedule worked. I was like, put this in, put this in, it should fire up. And I had been to this car like four times trying to get through this. And Steve, the one time he goes and he gets it, I'm like, well, you're doing all the Mini Cooper stuff now. So (laughs) (laughs) he's like, don't you put that evil on me. (laughs) It's a crab like that as a mobile guy that I would love to have a kind of a brick and mortar space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, well, Keith now has a shop shop. Mm-hmm. But a space to do stuff like that. And then I guess like Pedro, I, I think a yeah. few of them now, right? Yep. If you're doing heavy, heavy ADOS, you almost have to have mm-hmm. a brick and mortar spot for some of those calibrations. Yep. Don, uh, Don, Texas is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if there's an alignment linked to it that you're using a uh, dedicated machine. We're, um, we've been looking at it, but the cost just hasn't justified Oh, ha- yeah, it's... having the space yet because if I was doing repair, it's a different story, but I don't want to do repair. And like, I just don't have a desire to do that. Me personally or running it, I just don't want to. And so the the price isn't quite there. So I'm just going to kind of wait it out and, you know, maybe eventually a good deal pop up or something like that. But yeah, boy, for some of these problematic cars, and I sure had my fair share of them recently, it would be extremely nice to have my own space and just say, Hey, drop it off. I'll get it fixed. I'll give you a call. (laughs) Yeah. Or when you get stuck on one that's outside and the weather's not cooperating. Yeah. Yeah. We try our best to avoid that. And shops have been very accommodating, which has been been nice. We just have to be, um, 
not pushy about it, but very clear in, hey, it's below this temperature. We're not working outside. If it's outside, we're leaving. And that's it. And yeah. so it's been, been those, good. You got those couple of shops, you know, you have to call ahead of time and say, hey, I'll be out this afternoon. So make sure you shovel the snow from around the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look up a battery charger. Yeah. Do it now so it's ready when I get there. Yeah, shops have a tough time understanding what a charged battery is. I'm not sure exactly where the disconnect yeah. well, is. Oh, we'll there. put a new battery in it and go grab like an old crappy shop battery. It's a new battery. <laughs> I need a new battery. Yeah. <laughs> it's full of water. What are you talking about? We have these jump packs, and I can send you a link if you want one. They're awesome. They're meant for like heavy duty truck stuff, mm-hmm. but it will hold voltage if the pack is freshly charged it'll hold the system voltage at 13 volts so <laughs> i may or may not program with those <laughs> may or may not. <laughs> i i have a couple of those topped on things so not to just put over topped on but i have a couple of those uh just small uh jumper packs if you will okay ah man i can't knock them it's been very impressed with what they'll do even then, that week of Sub Zero, sure, uh, it even popped off a couple diesels. So, oh, nice! Like, what the heck? Is, but, now, is that the like because they have different sizes? There's one that's like uh, about I don't know eight inches, and then there's the big one. Not that one. Okay. The, yeah, the like eight inch ones or whatever. Like the size. Okay. Of, I'm going to okay. date myself. The size of a VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> Not the beta one either. <laughs> I was pretty little when that beta. I remember that vaguely, but evidently it was better than VHS and somehow VHS won. I remember hooking up two VCRs to each other so that I could, you could make your own recording or basically yeah. copy a video. Yeah. yeah. We do that all the time. Yeah. And then they came out with like the dual deck VCRs that would do that. Yeah, we were never that fancy. <laughs> uh, man, let's not go down this road. Jeez. <laughs> next thing we'll be talking about linking two PCs next to each other so they can play Doom. <laughs> never played Doom. GoldenEye was my, my jam back in the day. That was, But that was N64, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never really got in the PC games. Game. Oh, yeah. That was a terrific game. I guess mine would have been Castle Wolfenstein. What system was that? Wolfenstein was good. I had Castle it on a P- I had it on a PC, but I think that was one of the first first person shooter games. Yeah, we okay. we lo- we had Wolfenstein on the school server. The teachers and administration had no idea, but we had the had that game on the server. So in computer class or typing class, we we're supposed to be doing whatever. Word perfect. <laughs> Word perfect five. Remember, yeah, we were doing Word perfect. And instead of doing that, we were playing Wolfenstein. Um, Yeah. I don't. Castle Wolfenstein. I'm not sure I remember that one, but nice. Yeah, that was old. That was old. That, for me, that would have been 1993. Yeah. I, I think. I mean, of course, I played Super Mario's on the. The NES and then the SNES. We used mm-hmm. to rent a Nintendo. We would rent it and get a couple games. That's what we did. Uh, yeah. Contra was 
God, that was my favorite game. Life Force. So had those. And then, I mean, I guess I had an N64 through college. But I didn't play games for quite a while. And then the PlayStation came out. And I saw the advertisement for Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought a PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII and I don't know, at least a hundred hours of my life. I was going to say large, large volumes of my life were gone to, to final fantasy. Yeah. The seven, that was a big one too. Yeah. Those cut scenes, man. Oh man. At the time. Yeah. There's nothing like that. <laughs> you watch it now. It's just garbage. But it's so back bad. then <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh, it looks like real people. <laughs> yeah. Sean, was was that you? I might have heard it on one of your podcasts. I got asked to fix a USB port on a video game. <laughs> yeah, somebody, one of my customers was like, can you fix a PlayStation? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, if I just soldering something, sure. I don't know what. I, at the moment, I do not have time for wild projects, though. Um, I'm, <laughs> so I'm try. trying to get ready for yeah, I, I haven't jumped into anything too much extra lately, so I'm trying to get ready for this Australia thing, and I'm prepping classes for that. So um, that's that's where all my extra time is right now. I I'm saying no to module projects for for the most part, unless I know like oh, okay, I just got to swap this EEPROM chip or something. But they can uh, they can definitely eat up your time when it's um, you know R and D. <laughs> some of yeah. this stuff you know one of the reasons i don't want to blow it out of the prom stuff too much is because the the time invested to be good at it and i i'll just call tommy or pedro it's like dude, you guys are right in my backyard i yep. can have you a module in a day you know can you take care of this for me yeah sure we'll take care of you yeah. you know so mm-hmm. or i'll just or i'll but just tell of- the shop to call them to, hey you need this module oh it's not available all right well uh Try calling this guy, give him his number, you know, and people helping people. But yeah, there's R and D. So I I didn't expect you to tear apart a PlayStation. I was just curious if you did. It'd be fun. I just eh, I don't have the time right now. I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but the tool trucks have dropped off a fair number of scan tools for me to fix. Oh really? Yeah. Cat five cable or cat five ports, RJ forty five ports and din the din ports where the cables go in mm. they bust them off the boards or um mess mess them up my uh amp usbs after i've had that amp hound for probably 15 years and the the one of the contacts inside what you know the solder went and i was able to fix that and not that the prom stuff I probably could have done it without all that, but it sure helped like having all the soldering equipment in the hot air station, just ready oh, to go. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll fix this. And then I, um, I was a complete dumbass, and I dropped my Pico and one of the BNCs oh, like wow. came off the board, but yes, yeah, get a new one, solder it back on easy peasy. So nice. having those skills, definitely handy. Anything else on the docket? I got beat up by a, I got real beat up by a Chevy, Silverado trailer brake setup today, like really got my ass kicked. And I'm not so sure that there was anything wrong with this truck, or at least most of the time I was working on it, I don't think there was anything wrong with this truck. So that was pretty fun. But you're, 
back at the chassis control module yeah slash the the connector for the trailer um i i think i fixed it very quickly into my diagnosis but i didn't realize it i found a blown fuse um and it didn't fix it in my mind but what i was using to simulate a trailer does not work on like a 15 and up chevy truck apparently um because i mean what would you use for trailer brake setup both of you guys for a trailer like, brake electric trailer brakes what do you put in there to simulate do you have a dedicated tool or do yeah. you use another tool to simulate it i have the um i, I better look to make sure i have the name right because okay hoppy popped in my head and i don't think that's it okay what would you use, Scott, if you're testing a trailer brake setup? I, I haven't had a call on that yet, so... Okay, okay. That's, we get a lot of it up here. There's lots of, lots of trucks, lots of 4x4, four four, lots of 7... It's a 7-pin connector for the, okay. uh, the electric trailer brakes. And in the past, I have two things that I use. I use either a 9000 series headlight bulb or a couple of them in series... Or I have like a Bluetooth trailer simulator that plugs in and then I can look on my phone and do the signals and all that stuff so I can be sitting in the truck and and see the signals. But it has connection across the trailer brake output in the ground and it will simulate a trailer being connected. Well, it doesn't work on these Silverados. Yeah, I I have something like that, but I think it's just, it's seven pins, but it's, I think it's just got LEDs and stuff on it, so it's not simulating. It's not loading the okay. circuit. It's not doing anything other than telling you it's it has gotcha. something for power and ground, but is it able to flow any current? That I don't know. But I okay. haven't had a call on that yet. So I would probably be in the boat kind of like you, um, um, hooking up a couple 9,000 series headlight bulbs to try and load that circuit and see what happens. Well, I even tried my test light. I was like, well, maybe it needs to be a little higher resistance because the problem I was having is you hook anything across there well, the bulbs, the test light, my simulator, it's, it sets a code and says short to ground on this circuit. Like, and I was like my test light, it, I think I measured it as like 30, 40 ohms. I'm like, that should be fine. Like that should work. Um, come to find out you got to get it above 60 ohms for this trailer circuit to be happy. And I verified that with another truck that I know functions correctly, but I wasted hours of my life checking all these circuits with the trailer brake control module and the chassis module and thinking there was some issue when there, there really wasn't. So, well, now, you know, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Now I, I actually do know a lot more about the details of that system than I knew prior. So next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, it's Hopkins, not Hopkins. Okay. So I have a, a couple of those setups and I, I mean, I like them. Uh, I think if I did it again, I think there's another one made by IPA. Okay. Um, and honestly, for like the lighting portion, I I probably just redo it and build my own. Yeah. Um, but it, it the issue is like you said with the trailer brakes, the electric trailer brakes, especially when they're like monitoring that circuit it's It's hard to hit it right five volt pulse on the output circuit to determine if a trailer is connected or if there is a circuit problem and yeah so that circuit in particular is turns out a little bit more challenging to test so i i'm going to get myself a setup that's going to work for those correctly so I've, i've been happy with the hopkins setup they're not 
Okay. They're not inexpensive. I've been happy with them. Um, I, I don't, I know for like the turn signals and all that, they don't really load it. Yeah. Um, as much as I would like, but when I run into those issues, then I just, you know, whatever, 3157 bulb or headlight, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. Loader down. Um, but the big thing was just getting sick of messing around with, uh, trying to find the right combination or whatnot for the trailer brakes to really dynamically test those. So knock on wood, the, uh, the Hopkins set has worked out well, but I think there's an, it's IPA. I'm almost positive. It's not a beer. It's a freaking trailer <laughs> to brake tester or trailer tester. Um, and, um, I think that definitely load tests and it's maybe about half the price. So, well, yeah, that's, uh, that was my fun. Yeah, I got a Kia, a Kia that's got slightly negative fuel trims and doesn't run some of the monitors. Uh, so we have emissions testing here, so you got to run monitors. And uh, uh, I went to look at it at the shop. This squeeze box has got 206,000 miles on it. It's leaking oil from every gasket you can possibly find. When you drive it down the road, it sprays oil from underneath the cam cover. <laughs> If you, I'm playing around with the PCV system to, to see if I can get the fuel trims normal, right? Or close to normal. Closer to normal would be a better way to say it. I take the oil fill cap off while it's running. It's got so much blow by that oil's just spraying out of the top of the cam cover. I'm like, uh, how, how far do you want me to go on this car? This, it, it needs an engine. It's a Kia with 200. You got to get some compression in the can, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of crap I've been running to recently. And this was a customer's car. This wasn't like at an auction, you know, an auction vehicle or something. Usually that's where you see the really crappy stuff, but I, I programmed the PCM on a Hyundai today. Yeah. Like a 2006 Sonata. Uh-huh. This cake, except I'm a dumbass, and I, <laughs> for the life of me, I don't know why, but I bought the Kia script first. <laughs> I just, like, I drove it in. I knew it was a Hyundai, and then I got like Kia on the brain. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think it's because I saw the uh, KMA icon on my desktop. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I just end up at the Kia website and hit my cart for seventy five bucks, and then I'm gonna go program this car. And it's here's what I able. do: the, the the Nissan files. I I did this the other day where if you buy, if you buy a Nissan file for programming for transmission or whatever, you can reuse it. You can use it again if you have that same car later. And I'll usually, I do a search, but I didn't type it into the search bar, right? Or the file was named differently than what I typed. So I bought the file and then I tried to transfer it into my reprogramming folder. And it's like, this file already exists. I'm like, son of a... Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So I have two. I'm not the only one. (laughs) I think I have a hybrid Volkswagen with a locked up motor. But what sucks is it drove in. Ooh. It drove in where... the complaint was severely underpowered. <laughs> so it just drove in on the electric? Maybe, or the engine was binding that bad because I, I think the engine holds just under four quarts of oil and it had just under a quart of oil in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we put oil in it and then it's like starts to runs. Okay. Bring it around to kind of blow codes out of it and check it, check the car out and then it won't crank over anymore. And it's blew something else out of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's not good. Right. Because it doesn't have a starter motor. It uses. Yeah. To use a Toyota term MG one uses a motor generator to spin the, the engine, spin the crank. And uh, it just sits there and kind of shakes. <laughs> that, that that crank does not move. What's but what's burns me a little bit is it doesn't set a code. Interesting, you know. So it'll sit there and it'll like try to crank the engine over, or it looks like it's trying to crank the engine over. Uh huh. Um, but it won't set a code, and I I would think it would set something. Basically saying like tried to start the engine, mm. you know, and didn't see an engine RPM, so disabled in that it could be because the it can't engage the clutch uh of the dsg yeah dsg transmission or the the motor's locked up but this thing it'll just sit there and kind of every few seconds it'll um twist in the engine bay pretty good shut yeah and but that crank doesn't spin so i'm kind of curious what we're gonna find there we uh, we had that with a Lexus that uh, it wasn't the engine that was locked up, but something broke in the transmission between the motor generator and what actually turns the engine. And we did we didn't know that shop didn't know that they're just trying to crank this thing again and again, and they eventually drain the high voltage battery. Well, the problem with this one is a, a absolute bear to get this battery out to rebuild it and there's no other charging options unless you buy the seven thousand dollar rescue charger so like i would get one shot because they take it out they rebuild it get you know get it charged up cell by cell put it back together and they actually do that at that shop but i'd get like a couple shots at this thing and before it drained down and i have to try to figure out what's broken you know where the problem is in that amount of time that was that was pretty challenging to try to figure out but we did determine it's something in the trans so they replaced that but yeah i i wish there was a easier way to charge those things back up i don't know but not easier I don't yeah i considered buying a rescue charger for that reason because i feel like there's going to be more of that but the uh the connections to the battery are going to be different for most applications and it just hasn't been feasible to to do that purchase are they pretty good size yeah. be hard to carry around in a van um i think you could make it work um i don't think it's unreasonable but it's like seven thousand dollars for one application and can i use that on others i i don't know i haven't done the research to find out i looked at like the ford rotunda one and the toyota one and stuff like that you can buy them but I just not quite there yet, but it was an idea. I'll have to think a while about the name of the company and maybe they're long gone, but there was a uh, company that had, I think it was more or less hybrid battery reconditioning, but you could use it to charge a battery up and it wouldn't be fast. Like the, the unit you're talking about, I think they can do a pretty rapid charge, maybe Mm -hmm. not up to like, you know, an SOC of 80, but get something in it. You know, yeah, so the to, vehicle function. Yeah, 20, 25% and then be on your way. But, um, I'd be yeah, down with a slow I, charger. Well, I think you got to take the battery apart, anyways, and make multiple connections. Oh. 
and then it'll have a plug that you can plug into and leave the gotcha charger on it for however long to recondition whatever that you know whatever their strategy or algorithm is to do that but i've i've thought about that just to have in case a situation like you're talking about it happened Mm -hmm. you know instead of probably cell by cell with a freaking rc battery charger yeah would work it just take freaking forever it yeah it takes it takes forever and you gotta take the battery out and disassemble it but like what do you do on some of these really challenging no starts right because we've all been in that situation where we got to crank the hell out of the thing in order to figure out what's wrong like it has to be active and moving and we have to do our tests and sometimes it takes a while like if if the customer has already cranked the hell out of this thing trying to get it and then the shop does and then they call me and it's got you know 10 percent left i got i got just a little bit of a chance to figure out what's going on it's it's kind of a a rough position to be in yeah so harvey uh when he was alive harvey chan would do a class with um edwin alfaro who is a uh toyota a really he's still brilliant he's not but he was a toyota dealership tech and one of the scenarios they provided kind of on the last day of the class was um this this sorry honda wow this toyota like prius usually a gen 2 prius uh wasn't starting and it would run on electric power but the high voltage battery was discharging and discharged uh you didn't have a lot of cranks left and you had to figure out why this thing didn't start and the thing with those types of uh, systems, same with this Volkswagen, when it does start, when they don't have a starter motor, they have, for again, like a motor generator mounted to the crank. It's hard to audibly hear the difference between crank and idle. Yep. Okay? Because they're, they're spooling these things up cranking at idle speed at a thousand eleven hundred rpm yeah yeah you think it's idling but it's cranking right <laughs> but it's cranking and uh so i guess there's no secret you try you try to test as many things as you possibly can on one crank so mm-hmm. you're somehow testing for spark somehow testing for injector pulse somehow testing for fuel pressure you know maybe even uh, something in the intake for pressure or vacuum it, it, anything and everything you can reasonably think of that would keep this thing from starting you're trying to test in one or two cranks so that you have a really really good idea and then you know to finish the story with harvey um they were i don't i don't want to say messing with you because this is a it was a realistic scenario it just wouldn't happen where somebody's driving around and then boom, the engine won't start and they're bringing it to you. What would happen is that quick loops uh, or after repair in a repair shop, but primarily quick loops when they would service the, like the throttle body area, um, put it all back together. And then they didn't notice anything wrong down the road. The client realized, Hey, my engine's not starting or, you know, I'm getting warning lights and my battery power is dropping and uh, stuff like that. That um, this engine would crank over. You thought it was running, but it's not. And long story, I get 
without a lot of details, and I don't know how important it is, is the issue was um, a leaf or something would fall down and block mm. the mass airflow sensor. Okay. And which kind of what was great about this uh, situation is people with the most experience were the ones that struggled the most to diagnose this because you wouldn't look at a mass airflow sensor as having a whole lot of authority to keep something from starting. Sure. And if you had experience with Toyota, unplugging the mass airflow sensor is not an option because the fuel pumps wouldn't run. Okay. But that's how you would diagnose these. Unplug the mass airflow thing would start up and run just fine. And then mm. you, if you went to go replace the mass airflow or look down in there, you'd see debris blocking it. And that what would happen is, is miscalcula- miscalculating air so much and this thing's spinning over so fast that it absolutely uses the mass airflow sensor as an input wasn't getting nearly enough fuel. Okay. Okay. So. Yep. I remember that class. I remember yeah. that fault. <laughs> I remember struggling with it. <laughs> Where, did you go to, you went to the one in Chicago? Yeah. Okay. At we- Wheeling? Yes. Okay. No, wait, was it Wheeling? I don't remember. It was, it was a Dave Becker's place maybe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. Cause I think, I think they, because I borrowed my sister's second gen Prius for that hands on portion and brought it to class, and that's the one that they broke. <laughs> Ran the battery. <laughs> I'm like, this is my sister's car. Shit. Pardon my language. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good class. It was two days, two days long. Yeah, it was great. Cool, guys. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see you both in, uh, both in a month at Vision. Excited for that. It's only a month. Jeez. Yeah. Only yeah, a month. What are the handouts do? <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> Oops. They were, they were, we don't have handouts though, do we? We don't have a handout for the scope. Well, we have a little printout for the scope class, but that's about it, right? You got a handout for like the uh, for the key class. Hope so. I'm sure they're doing it virtual with, with the tablets yeah, and stuff again, right? Yeah, yeah. So it may not be as critical. I mean, if tablets and phones. Yeah, they probably want it a couple days ahead of time at the absolute latest. I'm sure they want it sooner than that. But the stuff that I got is printed from WorldPack, so I don't have to submit anything. Well, I have to submit to WorldPack, but I still owe them one class. So. Other than that, I'm pretty much ready. It'll be here before you know it. I'll be ready, though. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for uh, spending some time with me this evening, and uh, we will uh, do it again soon. I don't know if we accomplished much, but it was fun. That's typically anything I'm involved in. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Scott, for joining me as always. Also, like to thank everybody out there for listening to the show and all the feedback I get. Always appreciate it. 
Make sure to check out the links in the show notes. Uh, we got links to all the sponsors of the show, uh, as well as I included the link to Vision Kansas City. If you're interested in getting registered, signed up for the classes, come learn some stuff, come hang out. It'll be a good time. Uh, we're less than a month away. But with all of that out of the way, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time. <laughs>